you'll never find the more wretched hive of scum and villainy. We must be cautious. Hello, and welcome to the first episode of Beltway Banthas, a Star Wars podcast coming at you from the hive of scum and villainy from our very own galaxy, Washington, D.C. I'm your host, Tirso Perez, joined by my co-host, Stephen Kent. What's up, Stephen? Hey, host Tirso Perez. (laughs) Is it bad for me to call me the host? I just Uh, assume the position, I guess. I, I will admit. I was uncomfortable billing myself as the host. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> so I'm, I'm okay with you taking that. All right. Mental, Maybe that guilt off of me. Um, <laughs> so, you know, you're so full of yourself. Yeah. Just be the host. Absolutely. I'll be your co-host, your shotgun. Yeah. You can be my, my, my captain's assistant. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Like Spock. You're the Spock to my. Don't, don't bring, Sorry. don't bring that stuff. This is a Star Wars podcast. This is a guys. safe space. So, uh, <laughs> You have no idea who you're listening to, so we're going to do a little introduction, a little small talk for you guys to let you know who the heck we are and why you should be listening to uh, yet another Star Wars podcast. What you know, We want to let you guys know what's different about us. So, Steven, why don't you tell them a little bit about yourself, why we're here, and why we're doing this whole podcast thing. Gosh, I'd, where to begin? Um, so, we've had this idea for quite some time. And I feel like this idea has been simmering in, in my mind for uh, at least the past year. Um, I became a real podcast junkie in about the past 16 months uh, since I started a job that required a whole lot of travel, driving, a lot of flying. Um, I got bored with music and just really fell into podcasts and uh, none other than Star Wars podcast as my major crutch. Um, and so I just felt like I had something to say about two particular topics uh, that really drive my life. I have two main obsessions uh, that keep me going, and that is politics and Star Wars. Um, I've become a huge fan of shows like Coffee with Kenobi, uh, Full of Sith. Um, There's a new one, Star Wars New Canon podcast, which is just fantastic. Um, And they both discussed in, in episodes the politics of Star Wars. And I felt like I had something unique in that area and a capability to expand on that topic, um, given the work that I do, and bring a base to an entire show that is about politics and Star Wars. That being said, um, I think that's probably putting the cart before the horse on what the vision of the show is going to be. You know, we are coming at you from Washington, D.C., so we're going to talk a little bit about politics and how it plays in Star Wars Um, And a little bit vice versa, how Star Wars plays in politics in real life. I've always gotten the feeling from listening to shows like Full of Sith that the Star Wars fan community is a welcoming and warm place. And there might be room for one more podcast that is just an hour-long gab fest about the glory of Star Wars. Yeah, um, I wouldn't necessarily consider myself like a podcast junkie. Um, I just, I came here to assume the title of host. That's I just wanted to be the host of something. Typical. This, I'm just, I'm just here to fulfill my own ego problems. No, um, (laughs) I do have a few podcasts that I am pretty devoted to. Uh, one being the friends of friends podcast hosted by a cool guy named Byron McCoy. Um, shameless plugs for someone else's show. Right. Um, the other one being one called, uh, welcome to our podcast. Uh, neither of which are star Wars podcasts. Um, 
But, uh, you know, for me, I can't remember a part of my life without Star Wars. Like, it's kind of all blurry before the Han Solo action figures and the lightsabers. I just remember always having an, an addiction to the story and the characters and, and the excitement that came along with watching these films. So to have the opportunity to hit record and talk in depth about something that I'm deeply passionate about and, and very knowledgeable about. Yes, nerds, I will fight you. I'll fight you, Stephen. Um, <laughs> Let's fight. I just got really aggressive. I, I just, I'm deeply passionate about Star Wars. I, I, I love it. Everything about it. The books, the films, the characters. And, and if we can hit record and talk about it for an hour, I'm not going to pass that up. Um, and now, of course, in having this podcast, you know, there, like you mentioned, Stephen, there's, there's a lot of other ones. But let's kind of give people an idea of what it will be and what it won't be. Sure. Well, do my best here, but I, I think the show will be many things. Um, and we do want to delve into fandom that is both recognizable to many and other kinds of fandom that are alien to us. Um, I think we're going to be searching for stories of how Star Wars impacts people and their daily lives, um, that of our friends, our neighbors, and you know, in some cases, the very people who govern us. I have a mission, and that is to go to talk to politicians uh that are star wars freaks you know the the people the very people who really we dislike more than anything in the world what? i, I want to know something human about them i want to hear about what happens when they go home and aren't bloviating on television <laughs> and when they're watching star wars great I've, word i've gotten to meet some of these people and I, i'd like to talk to them um these are individuals who guide uh what our country is like and thus what our lives are like and i would like to find out those stories um again a shameless plug on, on full of sith they had talked in depth about how star wars is tied to their their consciousness their memories who they are um when when, when they're talking about star wars i mean there's tears um, you think about your childhood, you think about the things that move you, you think about relationships that you had with a parent or a friend. Um, and Amy Radcliffe, just in particular, just moved me one episode where, where she was talking about her upbringing and her youth and just why Han Solo is so important to her. And it, it's impossible to put into perfect words. And yeah. I, I feel that way. I feel that way. I feel that way about Darth Vader, um, Anakin Skywalker, and to, a, and to a certain extent Han Solo as well. And I want to participate in that storytelling, and I want this show to be part of that as well. Um, there is a line that we're going to walk with this show between those who want to study every aspect of Star Wars, even the politics of Star Wars, and those who really just want to be immersed in the fantasy and lore of Star Wars in a way that's detached from your daily existence. Because there, there's definitely an angle to my fandom that I retreat into Star Wars because I don't want to think about the crap that I see on TV anymore. <laughs> I don't want to see it. Yeah. I just want to be in that X-Wing and fly away. Right. And it is really, really important for Star Wars fans to have that. However, there are other Star Wars fans who are much more analytical and they want to know what was the author's intent when they went into this? What was the, right. the framer, George Lucas, thinking when he made Star Wars? Yeah. Um, and, you know, the very fact that the, the prequel trilogy was meant to be a political trilogy mm -hmm. um, says to me that we should be focusing on some of the politics of the old republic, the politics of how a democracy becomes an empire. Um, and then also looking back at just the context of the original trilogy post Nixon 
mm-hmm. Vietnam era. I mean, these are things that informed the thing that we love, and I think it deserves to be flushed out. Um, I, what it is not going to be, and I think this is really important, if politics is sort of like a glaring red flag to anyone who's listening, um, you can consider this a safe space during the election season, <laughs> uh, this nasty, horrible election season. We are not going to be uh, prognosticating the election, talking about candidates, bashing this person, bashing that person. We are going to be trying to avoid that because that's not what I think people are going to want to come to this show for. Um, we're going to talk about politics and Star Wars and, and not sit here and, and talk about the things that are guiding the news cycle. So, Yeah, and the reason I'm so on board with this, the reason why um, I, ju- I jumped on this so passionately is that Star Wars is a thing that, I mean, yeah, you have your few people that, oh, I've never watched it, but we don't care about those people because they're not listening to this podcast. <laughs> but, we want you to be. <laughs> we want you to be. But it's something that brings people together. I mean, I remember going to the theater watching episode three, Revenge of the Sith, and it was presumably at the time going to be the last Star Wars film. Mm -hmm. And have your reservations, have your opinion about the films. I know they get a lot of flack, but I myself, it was an experience where people were cheering and laughing and crying together at this thing that we all grew up with, we all loved. And to be able to talk about it in a way... Um, that's relatable with political figures is something that I think is vastly important because we live in a day and age where you we have our opinions and sometimes our political opinions can kind of cause us to be very much so hostile against each other. I mean, you just see on the news, regardless of what side you're on, you know that there's hostility on each side and violence even. Um, so to be able to kind of have a safe space where we can discuss something that we're all passionate about regardless of political view or, or whatever it is, we can all just talk about this thing, how it's influenced us, how it's influenced the way we do things. And, and that's, that's what we want to be. We want to be a place to discuss something that we all know and love, and uh, that being Star Wars. Um, now, uh, obviously, you're going to be hearing our voices a lot. And we kind of wanted to just give space in the show to talk about ourselves, um, let you guys know who we are. Um, we kind of talked about it a little bit, but we're kind of, we're kind of try to share kind of our favorite parts of the films, favorite scores, uh, John Williams being just a ninja with music. We're going to talk about the things that we love about Star Wars. So Steven, why don't you go ahead and talk about, uh, just yourself and what you love about Star Wars. Oh gosh, I, ugh, I don't even know where to begin. Like, what, <laughs> Everything. What do I love about Star Wars? It just, it keeps me up at night every, every day since I was... Since I was five. Um, so so there's a couple things. Um, one, you mentioned Revenge of the Sith in theaters. Um, that, for me, was a defining Star Wars moment. Um, that was my first midnight show of a movie. Um, I was too young for, for Phantom Menace. Um, I, I saw it in theaters you know, a couple, couple weeks after it came out. Um, I mean, I, I was 10. I was 10 when that came out. Um, and so I was still young for Attack of the Clones. Revenge of the Sith, I'm in high school. I have friends, all Star Wars psychos. Um, we go in costume. We designed our first Jedi robes in high school. Um, made um, made great <laughs> these great robes and tunics and all that stuff. And we had our FX lightsabers. Uh, nice. Those, those wonderful $99 FX lightsabers. <laughs> worth one, it. One of which is on our table here. Worth it. Um, totally worth it. <laughs> Um, my friends and I in high school were filming a Star Wars fan film. We wanted we wanted to try and dominate the fan film world with our Star Wars comedy. 
Uh, it was a disaster. It was a horrible movie. You know what? Okay, I just want to say right now, I have seen this with my eyes, and it is a masterpiece. I know that most film is subjective, but this, it's the, if you guys can it's, find it, if you guys can find there. this, it is out there. It's called The and, Pursuit of Evil. And it is beautiful. Please. It's, it's, a, it's a Star Wars comedy with a really great fight scene. It, the fight scene, I'm sorry. The fight it's, scenes are it's really, wonderful. It's really good. Um, but the comedy just is is, is I think only, it only funny if you made it. But <laughs> no, you mentioned you mentioned Revenge of the Sith. That was my first midnight showing of any movie, and I went with my friends. I made friends in that line standing there for six hours. Um, I went straight after school. Was one of the first ten people in line, and I will just never forget it. I can't block out lightsaber fighting a complete stranger on a sidewalk and just <laughs> having the greatest fun of my life, and in the theater crying like a baby as Obi-Wan shouted to Anakin, you were my brother, I loved you. That is an amazing scene. I do not care what you think about that movie. That scene is amazing. I broke broke down. The poor poor person sitting next to me was not in the same emotional place. (laughs) They're like, who is this guy? They were were deeply uncomfortable. (laughs) I I was a fragile high schooler, and I was just falling to pieces. Yeah, that's okay. Um, So, I mean, I love Star Wars because Star Wars has just been, for me, this community friendship building tool, and it's just this place where I, I, I want to be. Mm-hmm. Um, Star Wars for me goes back to playing with my brother. Um, you had mentioned the toys. Yeah. The toys, I think, were bigger for me yeah. than, the, than the films when they first came out. Obviously, I loved the movies. I don't remember when I first saw them. I really don't. Mm. But I do remember when I got the first toys. I was six years old. Um, and I had the TIE Pilot, um, the Death Star Gunner. I loved the Death Star Gunner nice. with their curved, sharp, pointed helmet. And I had a uh, Veers toy, um, Colonel Colonel Veers, right? Not General, Colonel Veers, Colonel Veers. We're gonna be, we're uh, gonna get. I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get <laughs> torn up on Twitter. And it's Colonel Veers. God, how'd you um, not know that, Steven? I know. I'm sorry. Star Wars experts. His, I don't remember his rank. <laughs> uh, but I mean, these are my favorite toys. I didn't even have a Darth Vader um, to start out. My brother collected the Rebellion toys, and that's just that's my earliest memories of being with my brother um, and really just having something that we connected on. Um, that was my childhood. And I hold that today. And I'm now a father. I have a five-year-old myself. And Star Wars is what guides my parenting. Uh, it is what calms my daughter down when she's upset. We have that in common. Mm. Um, when she is getting upset about something or feeling frustrated, I didn't even have to teach her this. She takes a deep breath and remembers that anger, <laughs> fear leads to anger, and anger leads to hate. She said it to me one day at four years old, and I was like, are you serious? You're saying this to me right now? <laughs> I, I would like to point out that uh, if Star Wars guides are parenting, I think anytime you have a problem with with your daughter, you, you should pick up a lightsaber and say, all right, we're going to the backyard. This is... <laughs> oh, yeah, we, I mean, we, we just have the, great, we have the greatest time. Lightsaber duels. Um, we have that in common. and That's great. So, I mean, that's that's why it means so much to me. And I, I, I'm in this camp who was awakened by The Force Awakens. I It was 10 plus years since Revenge of the Sith. Right. Um, but Star Wars is back. 
Yeah. Like, now I'm back. I feel like I am back. I definitely went through, you know, a, a, a sleeping period yeah. uh, in the past decade as, you know, I was becoming uh, a father and finishing up college. It sort of all went away. And man, back full force. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, double entendre with the full force. Oh, I know. Thing, by the way, good job. I'm, I'm on it. <laughs> it's not even in the show notes and you just, <laughs> just got it. No, man, I, I absolutely agree. Um, I always say, if there be any egotistical, prideful part of me that likes to talk his way out of things, I blame it on Han Solo. Because <laughs> that is... <laughs> How I grew up is looking up to this vest-wearing, gunslinging space cowboy. Um, and I completely agree with you. Star Wars is such a huge... For me, I know some people, they just like the movies, and that's okay. But for me, Star Wars is something way more than that. Um, I remember my first Star Wars memory in terms of watching the films. I had... I had picked up one of my uncle's Han Solo action figures. I had no idea what it was. I was just, I had an imagination and was just like, let me like play with cool guy and have him fight the teddy bear or whatever. I don't know. I was <laughs> poor script writing. Um, <laughs> have some respect. It's you. <laughs> but, uh, and my mom goes, she comes over from, you know, she gets home from work. She's like, do you know who that is? And I'm like, cool guy. I don't know. And she was like, when I get home tomorrow, we're going to watch Star Wars. And I was like, Okay, it excited me, you know, get to spend time with my mom. She gets home the next day, and, and she pops in uh, A New Hope. VHS, by the way. Let's just clarify. This is very important, because this is a gripe for a lot of Star Wars fans. We'll get to this later. <laughs> and I'm watching this movie, and I'm like, Mom, when's cool guy showing up? Didn't really remember his name. And I see the scene where they go into the Maz Eisley Cantina, and Han Solo's sitting there, with his arms against the <laughs> the bar here, just chilling with you. And I'm like, my eyes light up. I was like, this guy is awesome. I didn't grow up with a dad, so I was like, just, I just see this guy and I'm like, this guy's cool. I'm looking up to this guy as, as like some, some kind of figure, a male figure, and I'm like, this guy's cool. And he's talking and he does it. He's just like, look, I... I ran the cuffs run less than 12 parsecs. Like, I got this. And I'm just, like, looking at his confidence, looking at his his shtick, and I'm like, who is this guy? And he, you know, gets in a run-in with Greedo, and he shoots him and just walks out of the bar. And I'm just thinking, I want to be just like him when I grew up. I really grew up just looking, at, looking up to these characters. I loved Obi-Wan. And then as I began to kind of interact with the story and, and watch these films over and over again, I just I started to just have the excitement every time and I mean I've watched each film easily more than a hundred times like I was raised by Star Wars I don't even remember a situation where Star Wars wasn't important to me there's something about it it's it's more than just a movie it's an experience and in episode seven five years ago was like a myth and you know we'd all it, like you said I'd kind of been in a little bit of like a stasis. Gosh, I love it. <laughs> exactly. You just, you just shut down. Exactly. Ever, ever since Luke went away. And uh, <laughs> dude, I, <sighs> opening day, me and my lady, first in line. And dude, when Han shows up, in in that in that initial scene where he comes in and he's like Chewie, we're home. The the theater, everyone in the theater was cheering. Like it was just this awakening in me that was like it's like it's like the first time i saw him yeah i mean and just just to jump in there i mean l let's talk about the awakening um because i think that is what is most fascinating about that movie um, the force awakens mm -hmm. 
You know, there's this idea that the Force awakens in, in characters. It awakens in Rey. It awakens... Um, Finn, Finn doesn't necessarily, not that we know of, have the Force, but he awakens from a, a state of indoctrination. He, he takes his, his goggles off and sees the real world. Right. Um, the Force awakens uh, in us. Yeah. Um, it awakens in Han. It's like it awakens in R2. He gets back up. Right. And the Force, it looks like it's going to awaken in Luke. I mean, he's stepped away from everything, and he's going to be drawn back in. Right. And this movie is about awakenings. People who are trying to get away or hide or put on their blinders and just go about their lives. Han, he said he walked away from it all. He yeah. just walked away. Got back to doing what he does best. Well, Force has plans for you. You know what? You're being drawn back in. Right. And he confronts it. He confronts it. And I, in a sense, I view that as his awakening. Yeah. He can't run. He right. cannot run forever. That is the awakening of Han Solo. I'm kind of all over the place with this, but... My point is that this movie, I think, was called The Force Awakens for a lot of reasons. Oh, yeah. I, I don't think that they just came up with their like, perfect name. <laughs> I think I think they had all these meanings attached to it, and it really was for fans, waking up out of, out of, a, out of stasis. Absolutely. But um, so, so let's dive into another aspect of Star Wars. Just, just out of curiosity, what would you say is your favorite score from the films? Because I think... Something that's even a bonus to loving these films yeah. is the scores, man. Because like you can't beat John Williams. I love other, you know, you know p- people who do music in, in film like Hans Zimmer. But like, there's to me, in my personal opinion, John Williams crushes it in every single film. So what would you consider as one of your maybe let's say top three? Because I know that okay. it might be a little. Well, let's start with the top one. Okay. Um, I know what my favorite one is. Okay. Uh, and that is Anakin's Dark Deeds off episode three, Revenge of the uh, Sith. Okay. Um, hands down, Anakin's Dark Deeds. Um, that scene of that movie, for, for one, just you know, look, combining the music with the cinematography is just so powerful hmm. and heartbreaking and scary. Yeah. Um, and then it ends on, on the heartbreak of Padme having it revealed to her what Anakin has done. And Obi-Wan walking away, I'm so sorry. And that's that's it for me. That is the most powerful moment <laughs> in Star Wars for me. I just, gosh. And maybe it's because Hayden Christensen didn't have to do a lot of talking. All he had to do, all he had to do, was just look awesome yeah, with, his red, with his red eyes, and, and oh, it's, just, it's just so perfect. But anyways, back to the music. Oh. So, you know, Anakin's Dark Deeds incorporates the orchestra. It also incorporates choir, mm-hmm. and it has the power of Duel of the Fates in terms of its it's just the vocal strength, right. and it also has the incredible crescendo at the end na 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 and i just i feel it i i it's a song when i put it on in my car i just get i just get just tingles in my spine song for me that just is the power of Star Wars it is the heartbreak of people falling to the dark side 
and I have a fascination with the darkness. Yeah. And that initial start where Obi-Wan and Yoda are looking over the dead younglings in the temple, and then it cuts to Anakin hacking up all the Separatist leaders, that is some of the scariest music I've ever heard. That is the mm. sound of an angel falling. Yeah. And for Star Wars, in my mind, that is one of the greatest highlights of the whole story is the fall. Um, I love the redemption. If you want to talk about favorite scenes, I definitely it's a redemption scene. Um, but that's just so powerful. And the prequel trilogy in general incorporates a choir in a way that the original trilogy does not. Um, I came up in choir music. Mm -hmm. One of my first exposures to <clears throat> costuming was the uh, Madrigal Choir in high yeah. school. I was a singer. I was a countertenor in a renaissance choir and i got to design my own costume cape boots tunic everything nice. um, so i i just have a unique attraction to uh the original i'm sorry the prequel trilogy's music mm -hmm. um and that song really takes the cake uh what about you uh, I, I have other ones but what's your what's your favorite <laughs> yeah um my absolute favorite score and, and it is kind of hard the reason i picked top three because there's so many but my absolute favorite um, would be Emperor's Throne Room, but kind of the more crescendo part of it where uh, Vader is kind of um, patronizing Luke and he's he's trying to turn him and he says, oh, sister, maybe I can get her to turn. And he, <laughs> Luke gets up and he breaks and he's like, never! And he just starts hacking away at Vader. You have these minors and these majors coming together to form this like intensity of, of both kind of this this um, falling of Luke, and and a falling of Vader, and, and they're just both breaking the norm. You get to the balcony where Vader is down on the ground and he's still hitting him and hitting him, and it's just this crazy scene. Visually, it's awesome, but just the music does it for me, where you just see Luke and what is so important to him. And you see that his love for his family, his, I mean, his love for Leia, his sister, just, it overcomes. But then you have the part of the music, it goes into Luke's realization of what he just did, and now he's starting to become Vader. And then it leads into, it, it turns into the next score, which I kind of combine them. It's kind of cheating, but I combine them, where it's the Emperor's Death score, where you have Vader, he stands up and he's just watching. And the beautiful thing about this score is that it so greatly emphasizes all the emotions happening in Vader's face, which is funny because it's a mask. And you have no there's no difference in his face, but the music is so perfect. John Williams, it's just composed it so perfectly so that when you're looking at Vader, you're seeing conflict. You're seeing a pull to, to save or, or to not save Luke. And, and to me, it's just the most beautiful combination of score. Yeah. Hit it out of the park. I mean, that's yeah. you're stealing my monologue on. <laughs> you're welcome. On my favorite, my favorite scene, which is the redemption of Vader. This is why I'm the host, Stephen. I'm, no. I'm just the, the <laughs> lowly co-host here. So we can switch it up. You can be host in the no, next show. No, I don't All want. Right. I don't want to play. You don't want it. All right, Sylvie. Can you say hi to the audience? Hi. This is my my daughter Sylvie. She wanted to tell everybody about her favorite part of Star Wars. Do you have a favorite part of Star Wars? 
I really like the part when Obi-Wan is fighting with all the monsters in the pit in Padme. Oh, Geonosis in the arena? Yeah. Yeah? What do you like about that part? I like all the monsters. I like all the cool moves. The cool what? The, the moves. All yeah. their moves? Yeah. Yeah. Padme uses like a chain to hit the thing. Yeah. <laughs> pretty cool, huh? It is a yeah. pretty cool scene, Yeah, actually. Good. Well, thanks for coming on Beltway Banthas. It was a pleasure, Sylvie. Thank you. Cool to be in a show. We'll bring you back on sometime. Sound good? Yeah. You can do a whole episode. We'll do a kids and Star Wars episode. Yes. <laughs> I, I would just like to say, don't be deceived. Uh, Sylvie's actually our producer. She cracks the whip on us. <laughs> like, we were, me and Steven were just hanging out, and she was like, guys... Are you going to record the podcast? Are you, are you just in there joking around? <laughs> or are you, are you podcast? This isn't a joke. <laughs> no, um, she's great. So it has been a big year. The Force Awakens came to us in December of 2015. And this weekend, uh, the movie just dropped on digital. Um, digital and on demand. And the DVD itself is coming out in two days. Um, I bought it already on digital. And we'll probably take a couple more weeks to get the DVD, but I've watched through all the bonus features, watched the film again at home from the comfort of my couch, and I really couldn't be more happy with life or anything at all now that I have that to go home to every night. It was my wife and my, my beautiful yeah, daughter, but, but you know, <laughs> ha- having that to come home to is really special. <laughs> um, but we also finaled uh, Star Wars Rebels this week. Um, I think you're not caught up, so I, I think we'll save it for another time. Uh, but that was pretty fantastic, and we have a big year of Star Wars coming. Uh, Rogue One is coming December 2016, mm-hmm. and next year we have Star Wars Episode Eight. Make up a name that goes right there. <laughs> Han Solo's not dead. What's up? No. The return of Han Solo. <laughs> Han Solo strikes I back. Would, I'd be so, Han Solo strikes back. Yes, that would be great. What do you What are you excited to see about Rogue One? Because I know for me, I'm excited about seeing normal people doing normal things yeah. in the Star Wars universe. I want to see Holonet TV. That's mm-hmm. what I want to see. I want to see these rebels sitting at a bar watching the Emperor give an address on the Holonet and scowl and have their drinks and then go off and be like, rawr, we're going to go join the rebellion. Screw this. That's what I want to see because when you read about the propaganda in the books, yeah. haven't seen it on the screen yet. And right. so that's kind of a small thing that I actually really want to see. Yeah. No, yeah. So for those of you who've been under a rock, Rogue One is coming next year. The anthology film set to be between three and four. Um, I love the idea for this film. I know that there's a few haters out there who are like, oh, we don't want to go back in the Star Wars. We don't, but, but we, we do though, because this is the dark period where there's no more Jedi. There, there's no Obi-Wan Kenobi's not around cause he's, <clears throat> excuse me, a hermit and on Tatooine. Like no one is there to save the galaxy and the Sith are ruling it. And, and that's what I love about it. I love the dark aspect of it. Um, we do know that it's going to be a darker film. We do know um, that it's going to be more like a Saving Private Ryan style of Star Wars, which to me is phenomenal. Um, 
we do also know that Darth Vader is not just going to have a cameo, not just going to have, but he's going to have a full-blown part of this movie where he's pretty much the villain. Is that is that confirmed now? At yes, point? it's pretty much confirmed. <clears throat> I mean, if you're looking at the news, it, and that's, honestly, even if he wasn't, that's the only way you're going to market this film to mm. a general audience. Because think about this. You're watching a trailer, and it's some it's some rebel just running. He's like he had, you just see he's afraid, and he's like running, tripping over stuff, and he's like trying to get away. And you're like, you know, general audience is like, what's going on? What is this? And all of a sudden, he trips and falls, and he looks behind him, and you just see the red lightsaber, and you hear, oh, like that would I would. <laughs> I would poop myself. Like that's just like, that would be an amazing this way is a family to show to yourself. Yeah, sorry, we don't talk about the p word here. <laughs> but ultimately, you show that trailer, and people are kind of flood into the theaters. I myself, even if you didn't have Darth Vader, I'd be first in line. You just put you slap Star Wars on it, make Danny DeVito the main character. I'm still gonna be in theater to watch that thing. But the thing I'm the most excited for in this film is to see maybe some aspects of Vader that we haven't got to see from the original trilogy um because i know that for a lot of people the gripe with revenge of the sith is we didn't really get vader i mean we got anakin turning to the dark side and uh, but we didn't get like vader in the suit slashing and hacking at you know people and i think (laughs) we got him saying no which was i mean real special yeah um but i think that that's something that i'm excited for i know i know that i do want to see a lot of a lot more of the rebel side of things in terms of them trying to get the plans and i really do want a saving private ryan feel because it would be awesome like it would just just to see rebels get blown up and shred to pieces like i want that that's just awesome but to me rogue one isn't the thing i'm most excited for I, i'm excited for it uh but episode eight it's just one of those things man it's like episode seven was awesome but i have so many things that i need still after seeing this to happen in episode eight um so I don't, before i go into that what, what are some of your excitements for episode eight and some things that you want to see from that film i mean i i'm a dark sider i i love <laughs> I, you dark sider <laughs> I, I love kylo ren i i want to see what his training is like mm-hmm. uh, he's gonna have his training completed by by supreme leader snoke and <coughs> play guess what okay Hey, spoiler! Um, I, I can I completely subscribe subscribe to the the Plagueis theory. Uh, fight me! Uh, yeah, until, we're very aggressive on this show. I don't know why. Fight me! Um, but I really want to see what Kylo Ren's completion of his training is going to be like. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know where Snoke is hiding, but I am looking forward to that whole process. I would really like to see Luke training ray mirrored against like in a couple different cuts yeah um snoke improving kylo ren yeah uh, and building on that a little bit of a Um, montage yeah like a a montage montage. uh, rocky versus sequence (laughs) with both contestants training yes Uh, if they could do that in a way that's not horribly cheesy i that's what i want hey i'm okay Uh, with it do do you think that there's going to be a time lapse the traditional star wars three years one year right. uh, 30 year time jump for episode eight or do you, do you think we're gonna leave right where we left off because i think that's most appropriate yeah um i i this isn't a hundred percent uh don't take me on this because i usually get a lot of my information off the internet but i was watching a <laughs> star wars show uh collider jedi council actually where they talked about that and i believe um 
it was Christian Harloff who said something about they are <clears throat> Ryan Johnson is doing something kind of out of the ordinary, and that being they're starting directly where we left off. Don't take me on that because I just I remember hearing that, but I'm pretty sure I'm like 85% sure that that's what's gonna happen. And um, to actually transition for what I want to see, uh, because if that's the case, if we're like going right from the island, um, now okay, you got you got to follow, you got to stay with me on this. This is my theory. This is what I want. Okay, <laughs> I want Luke to turn around. And you have this moment, and then he just whips out a lightsaber, and they start fighting. I w- <laughs> this is what I want. I want them. To, I don't want a word to be said. They just start fighting, and, and 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 Luke like recognizes her, but not because like they're like friends or his like it's his daughter. I want it because he's terribly afraid of whoever she was before her mind was wiped. Like that's what I want, because that would be amazing probably not going to happen but if it does i will be like yes so so you're gonna have to explain that to me a little bit because uh who she was was a like an eight-year-old girl dropped on a sand planet what's to be afraid of but here's the thing ryan johnson has come into this saying you're not going to see anything that you've ever seen in a star wars film before um he's a brilliant director by the way i don't know if you've seen looper he's just he's dark he likes you know telling a convoluted but yet um interesting story and uh how interesting and weird would it be that ray due to whatever her origin is we can discuss this on a different episode and we'll fight about it and yell about it but whatever her origin is that being so powerful that at a young age she was consumed by the dark side of the force and started murdering people. Like, so, so you're you're in Revan territory. You're I'm in, in Dark yes. Revan I territory. and for and for those of you who are listening, who are huge <clears throat> Knights of the Old Republic fans, um, first of all, high five to you because best video game. Give me a high five. <laughs> yes, best video game. But I digress. If we go that route, it would be so interesting because not only is Revan a loved character by a lot of the more um, kind of deeper nerds in the Star Wars universe. But it would make for such an interesting story. Because not only... I mean, when in the Star Wars universe have we seen a child be enraged and filled with the dark side of the Force? I think that would be such an interesting... And this is where you got to follow me. Like, think about how interesting it would be that in those visions when she saw everyone dying, that she sees it because she was there doing it. And maybe there's part of, like, the convoluted memory that she sees someone else doing it because she can't remember... But like, what if it's revealed that she was there because she was part of it? Um, and, and I know that it sounds kind of crazy, but at least I'm not throwing like the Leia theory with Snoke. But anyways, <laughs> well, it, <laughs> I, I, I will I will admit I have not heard this kind of theory before. Um, what what I like about Rey is that I, I do think that her mind was wiped. Yeah, um, I think her Force Awakens moment is that her memories are coming back. She's being awakened when she's fighting Kylo Ren. She's remembering. I know how to fight i'm not new at this i know how to do this and i'm gonna win um so kind of going back i i think they did take a little piece out of the revan book mm-hmm. um and they they are incorporating what we know to be the darth revan story with a mind wipe a placement somewhere obscure so that really eventually it will it will come back to you fluidly and maybe you'll come back on the light side instead of the dark um 
God, I don't know about a seven-year-old well, killing the whole temple. Think, think about this. Think about this. Because a lot of people are saying, you know, if she is Luke's daughter, why would he just leave her there? That's not part of his character. You know, he loves family. That's that's part of the Skywalker thing, family. But what if he left her there or whoever left her there, left her there because with, with not, not to mention left her with Unkar Plot, who's just a scoundrel and on a, on a dangerous place with a bunch of scoundrels who, what a better idea to have that be because she's dangerous. She can't be trusted and have her mind webbed because it's like this little girl is scary and she's frightening. Let's put her on the farthest reach of the galaxy with a scoundrel so that we don't have to worry about her anymore. And and maybe part of that was why how Kylo Ren turned. Maybe we can kind of see that and we can kind of almost see like a comparison where he maybe was jealous of the power that she, that she had. Um, I subscribed to the theory recently that she's just a nobody. I would love if she was a nobody because it would, per, for me personally, would highlight Kylo Ren's insecurities that he is the grandson of Darth Vader, but doesn't feel as powerful as a nobody. So to, to kind of go with the nobody thing, if she was a nobody, how do we line that up with the novelization of the movie uh, where Kylo in the woods, when she pulls the lightsaber from the snow, he says, it's you. Right. And, and by nobody, I mean, in terms of her parents, um, I think I do subscribe to the theory that she was part of Luke's Academy, but I, I add to that theory that maybe she was one of the first to turn dark and they were scared of this eight year old who was just in Britain had, you know, was throwing lightning at people like, you know, um, I do believe that that she I mean I think she has to be part of Luke's Academy because then it kind of irritates the idea that she was able to beat Kylo Ren you know mm -hmm. in, in the end it just it kind of saturates that with a lot of bull crap um that last scene uh, I mean so but in terms of her parents her, her just her she's not know, part of a famous yeah and but then you know someone could counter that and say well then Tirso how is she so powerful in the force I don't know I'm not Ryan Johnson guys but <laughs> I am a Star Wars fan that loved the Revan story and would love love to see that in episode eight. like honestly it would it'd be kind of comical in a way but just like it starts off and Luke's just looking at her and like he has a look and all of a sudden it turns to fear and he just moves out his lightsaber. Just, they just start fighting. Yeah, so the idea of Luke attacking Rey at the offset, I I would I would buy that more in the sense that he's like gone hermit crazy. And he's, <laughs> and he's like that, that look that's in his eye that we're all thinking is sadness and he's about to cry because he's like, oh no, that's my lightsaber. It found its way back to me again. That's really the look that he has right before he's like, Get off my island! And then he Force pushes her, <laughs> <laughs> and he's he's about to just go raw, <laughs> just attack, uh, because he's just been eating moss and rocks <laughs> for a year. Yeah, what has he been eating there? Uh, moss and rocks. <laughs> okay, I, I I just told you. Yeah, okay. <laughs> why won't Why won't you listen? Because I'm the uh, host. I don't need to but, listen. But actually, I just remembered when I said bloodline. Right. Uh, so we are excited about episode eight obviously yes rogue one this show will be launching uh and 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 coming out in may of this year uh, we are recording this right now what is it april sure, <laughs> it, sure. Is Why april, not? it is april 3rd right now this will be coming out in may as well as bloodline uh, a new star wars novel by yep. claudia gray this is going to be a must get for me claudia gray uh, wrote the most recent uh, lost stars 
um, addition to the canon. Right. Uh, good book. Yeah. Good book. I would like to talk to her at some point about a couple things in that book, mm-hmm. um, particularly some of the uh, the politics of Star Wars that mm-hmm. is present in that book. You have two people on opposite sides of the war who are deeply in love. Um, uh, the girl, Sienna, is a devout uh, imperial um, and... Uh, I think there, there's, there's mostly there, there's cultural things, but there, mm-hmm. there's some politics that we can delve into. But Claudia Gray has written Bloodline. It is the story of Leia uh, about three years, I believe, before uh, The Force Awakens. Mm-hmm. And we're going to be looking at a little bit of her political and military career. Mm-hmm. Um, my understanding of the book is that it is not going to focus too much on the family issues going on in the solo, the solo world. Um, and it's going to be more about her tensions uh, with the New Republic, uh, with the Senate, and her running for first senator. I don't know if this means the first senator from her area or if the title is first senator and there's a second senator. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's going to be running for first senator of the Republic. And presumably, based on the posters and the promotional material, word is going to get out or is put out by her that she is Darth Vader's offspring mm-hmm. um, and part of the the Skywalker family. And so you see in the promotional posters a very kind of Obama-esque uh, Leia poster that has been um, defaced with mm-hmm. spray paint that says liar and someone spray paints a Vader helmet onto her head. Mm-hmm. So there's going to be political opponents out there who are trying to tear her down for her Skywalker heritage. Um, and connection to Vader. I don't know in what context that's going to be, but man, am I excited because then we will get to see why she's on the outs with the Republic uh, leading into The Force Awakens. Um, We know a little bit from the dictionary guide about the way that the politics of the Republic work and how the resistance is is tied or quote-unquote not related to the Republic. Um, But that's going to be a great book, and so we will be reviewing that in May. Anyway, I'm, that's my tangent. I'm super excited about that book. Claudia, we need you on this show. Uh, open invite. Yes. And of course she's going to come because... Because Beltway Panda. <laughs> Duh. No, I, I'm, uh, I'm excited for it also. Um, it kills me that I can't remember the name of the of the new... Uh, the actress that was cast in episode 8. Um, Laura Dern. Oh, yeah, Laura Dern. Laura Dern. Um, yes, Laura Dern. Of course I remember. Jurassic Park, right? I am an yeah. IMDb expert. Uh-huh. Um they're, they are supposed to dive into more of the political aspect in episode eight with that. And we're actually kind of seeing that it's possibly going to actually be there that Laura Dern's character and Leia are going to kind of be at, at, at odds with each other. Yeah. Um, yeah Leia's supposed to get injured. Uh, yeah. that's, that's what we're being told that she's going to be injured and Laura Dern is going to step in maybe for right or for wrong and yeah. sort of, uh, take the helm of the resistance. Yeah. And, and I think the thing that it's kind of interesting, because something that, uh, I was talking with one of my, one of my other, you know, friends who are huge fan of star wars and something they said was like dude if you look at the politics of star wars it costs so much money to make the death star and when they blew it up that crushed the like economy of the galaxy and i kind of thought about it and i was like man that's actually true so anyone involved with that though we kind of look at it you can look at it from a kind of a force religious angle and say well they did something right but there is a lot of problems that actually occurred because of that, um, that a lot of people were kind of down and out because of because of the destruction of both Death Stars, um, because of because of the the societies that were governed by 
the Empire, that we're actually thriving because of the Empire, because we kind of only see the angle of the societies that were threatened by the Empire, mainly the Jedi and the, the light side of the Force. So it's kind of an interesting angle to look at it that there's actually people who did not benefit from the destruction of yeah, the Empire. There's, there's, we're going we're gonna to do an entire episode dedicated to a Ivy League school's white paper um, report about the economics of Star Wars and what the Death Star cost and what it cost to destroy it. Um, all the loans and the financing that went into that and when your asset, the Death Star, uh, that all these banks had put into, uh, the cronies, the cronies of the Empire, when that gets destroyed, yeah, that's decimation. Um, but, I mean, you also you also look at just some of the things that we don't normally see. When the Death Star blows up, uh, I think that party on Endor gets gets cut a little short by debris you, <laughs> and fire. You, I mean, you, you, we, we've seen it in the in the new Battlefront game. Right. They just added a new map to Battlefront mm-hmm. for Endor which is the place burning to the ground. Right. And the place is not burning to the ground because of the battle. It's There's debris. Uh, right. There's debris from the Death Star. So there's a cost to everything that yeah. happens. And I think Indoor might just get just devastated. Yeah. I don't know. Those poor little Ewoks. I don't know. I don't know what happens to them. Um, well, I mean, I've I've read I've read you know speculation that like that was a genocide in the sense of the Ewoks. Uh, maybe that's good for some some people. Some how, people who how, weren't a huge how fan. How dare of them. you? <laughs> Bring- hey, I'm not. I'm just. Spe- I'm devil's advocate here. I they're adorable. Literally okay? the devil. Okay. <laughs> Uh, you've heard it here first everyone if you don't like ewoks you're like the devil (laughs) like the devil uh but i think that was a huge sidetrack from laura dern (laughs) how did we get there so i mean laura dern laura dern's character is is speculated to be taking the helm of the resistance and leia uh having to step aside for whatever reason Mm -hmm. and she's going to come into conflict with poe dameron right Uh, poe dameron's not going to like what's going on and this film might focus largely on him seizing or or Performing some sort of coup within the resistance against Laura Dern's character, yeah. um, so there's, there's, I think that's going to be more like workplace politics than politics itself. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're going to get some of that, and yeah. um, I think, I think a good place to start, and we'll get the earliest glimpses of that tension in the resistance in Claudia Gray's Star Wars Bloodline coming mm-hmm. in May of this year. Yeah, and I, and I mean ultimately. It'll be great to figure out the origin of Rey, you know, what's going to happen with Luke, how they're going to deal with the death of Han. But ultimately, we're just all excited for more Star Wars, and, and that's what we're here for. That's what we're talking about. Yes, uh, we are. We are we're in a new new age, new Star Wars, and we're just excited to be a part of it. Well, folks, that's all the time we have for this episode. Thank you for tuning in for the first episode of Beltway Banthas. You can find us on Facebook. Uh, tweet us at Beltway Banthas, and please send us your thoughts, questions, concerns, anything in an email at BeltwayBanthas at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. We'll read your emails on future episodes. And you can connect with me personally on Twitter at Stephen underscore Kent 89. And Tirso, what about you? Yeah, you guys can find me doing comedy on YouTube at Tirso Perez, as well as on Instagram and Twitter at It's Just Tirso. And folks, just one quick little homework assignment. If you could take some time to write a review for us on wherever you are downloading this podcast from, likely on iTunes, if you can write that review, this will help get this podcast out to more people and visible to more folks so we can build this community. Take some time to share this podcast on your Facebook. Send it to one person who you think might like it. Uh, We would just be so 
indebted to you for that. Um, and thank you so much for listening. May the force be with you this week. Laugh it up, fuzzball.